Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode. My name is Alicia Renice. I'm so happy that you tuned in today. Thank you so much for following, for supporting. Your support and your love means everything. So how are you guys feeling today? I want to know. Today I'm feeling recharged. This weekend kind of took a lot out of me. I had two photo shoots, you know, attending events virtually, of course. Um, you know, I'm just a little, a little tired, but this morning I feel pretty good. I had a smoothie. I'm about to eat some watermelon, drink some tea, and just take my time. Just take my time this morning. I'm not rushing around. Um, there's not really anything to rush for, even though sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves to rush. So I'm just taking advantage of the slow morning that I have available to me. And I want to spend my morning with you guys. So thank you so much again for supporting. Today is going to be an interesting episode because it's actually a combo of two. So if you don't know, I host three podcasts. So the first one is The Football Project, which is geared more towards storytelling um, for the creative, um, encouragement, some inspiration, things like that. I also host Black Girls Make Music. That's a podcast for, of course, Black girls making music. We welcome everybody, though, but these are really highlighting and telling the stories of Black women in music. And then I also host The Free Black Woman, which is storytelling again, encouragement, um, inspiration for Black women specifically. And again, anyone can listen to it, but these stories and these um, messages are specifically for Black women um, and specifically um, Black women in America. Now, that's as far as my reach goes right now. I'd be really interested in interviewing Black women from all over, all over the world. Um, but for right now, I have the sacred and beautiful stories of the Black women that I hold near and dear to me and people who um, encourage me and influence me um, to be a better person. So so today is actually going to be a crossover episode, right? So encasing the free Black woman and Black girls make music. And so I know a lot of my um, the listeners for Black girls make music are kind of like, what does, you know, this episode have anything to do with music, right? Um, but I guarantee you'll be able to take something from this. So last week for The Free Black Woman, I got to interview one of my good friends, one of my dear friends, Denise, and we spoke about everything. Like it was just full of like wealth and wisdom. And for Black Girls Make Music, we spoke to my dear friend, Kim, who is an independent artist. And it was just chock full of just wonderful things. Her story, um, healing, talking about self-care. In both of these episodes, we spoke about self-care as Black women and how important that is. And um, we also spoke about hair. And so like, um, we talked, we talked about hair in the free black woman episode with Denise. And she was talking about how one thing she loves about black women is the versatility in our hair. We can do anything with it, you know, depending on what, you know, of course, grade of hair or what, um, how, the texture of your hair, um, it, it really determines how much, I guess, freedom you have with the styling and, um, the fun you can have with your hair. And so I would love to actually do a project on black hair. Um, I'm sure it's been done a million times, but I'm just like fascinated with this, this culture that we've created around hair. You know, we have like hair shows and stuff like that. And people, some people would look down on those things, right? And say like, oh, well, that's not classy. That's not, no, but black hair tells a story. Black hair is representative of us. Like it's our crown and even the lack of hair, right? So like how important that is to talk about that, like alopecia or people going through chemotherapy um, treatments. Like there's so many stories behind women's hair that we just kind of take for granted. You know what I'm saying? Um, And it doesn't really get a lot of love. You know what I mean? Like growing up, I heard that theory of like having good hair and what does having good hair even really mean, right? It means that, you know, your hair is usually looser, uh, maybe thick, 
It might be able to swing when you straighten it, but that's not everybody's story, right? Everybody can achieve that without heat damage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so really taking into account those stories, um, I'm going to flesh out that idea a little later, but for today, I wanted to talk about what my natural hair taught me. So I want to shout out Denise and Kim. Thank you so much for being interviewed. If you haven't checked out those interviews on the Free Black Woman or Black Girls Make Music, please do. It's amazing. I guarantee you'll be able to take something from it. But this really encouraged and inspired me to talk about this today. So when I was younger, right, I didn't care about my hair. I didn't, like, when I was, like, a little girl, I didn't care about my hair. Like, literally couldn't care less. I just wanted to go outside and play with my friends. Um, But the thing is, at some point, you know, you start hearing, and I feel like a lot of Black women remember this memory, a parent saying, Oh, your hair is coarse. Oh, your hair is thick. You know what I'm saying? And, and it could be a, it could be a, a, uh, I guess like an endearing term, but I also feel like it can be used to make it feel like your hair is a burden. Your hair is a struggle. Like it's tough to deal with. And so at some point when I was younger, I can't remember how old I was. I got a perm. My mom put a perm in my hair just for me perms with the tape and just for me, that song. Um, that a lot of black women know and remember, that was the first time that I think I felt like, oh, this is how my hair is supposed to be. It's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be straight. And I mean, and that's what they were, you know, selling in the, in the product on the, on the TV. It wasn't, I don't think they were trying to be anti-black or anti, um, natural hair, but it really made it seem like, oh yeah, get your hair nice and silky and straight like ours, you know? And so getting a perm taught me a few things. One, that my hair was a burden. That the work, the maintenance, what it required was time consuming and it was a burden. It was getting in the way of things that people wanted to do. And again, I don't think my mom was communicating that on purpose. She was just busy. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and also going along with culture. Like if no one's teaching you how to really take care of natural hair, then, you know, you're not going to know what to do from at this point, you know, in my mom's generation. Yeah. They had fros and stuff like that, but they also had like my mom's graduation per- picture had a fro. Um, but they also had like Jerry Curl. They also had, you know, the press. You know what I'm saying? Like there were all of these different, um, time periods and, and I feel like it's liberating because I, I, what I don't want to communicate is that you're wrong for getting a perm. That's not what I'm trying to communicate here. But for me, hearing that like, oh, your hair is, is coarse or whatever or it's thick, it made it feel like my hair was a burden or that something was wrong with it. Um, the second thing it taught me was that I was only beautiful when my hair was pressed. Like when I would get my hair pressed for like picture day and stuff, oh my gosh, you look so nice and da 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 from teachers or peers or whoever, like that, especially like in the um 2000s, like early 2000s, I'm talking like 2005 on, like that straight bone straight hair was a thing. Because even when you look back at our, like our parents' pictures in the 80s, they had straight hair, but it was full, like it was still full. And it wasn't until like the 2000s, I remember that like bone straight hair was the thing, like lifeless and just, you know, just bone straight was in. And so that taught me that my hair was only, that I was only beautiful when my hair was pressed. Um, it also taught me that I was not worth the time and care for myself, right? Getting a perm makes it easier to do your hair. Getting a perm takes that time back, right? So like what you were, um, the time you're putting into pressing it or like perm or, or um, sorry, combing it or braiding it or whatever, Easy. Just put a perm in it and that way you can just wash and wash it and go and put it in a ponytail and keep it pushing. Um, and this was around the time that I started watching music videos. And in these videos, the video vixens all look the same. 
they all look the same. They were light skinned. They had long hair. They had like different color eyes, whether it be hazel or blue or whatever. And this was a time that I actually started hating myself. I hated the way I looked. I hated my awkward features. I hated my big gums. I hated, you know, how tall I was. Like no guys in my school wanted to date me because I was tall. And, you know, at some point they hit their growth spurt and like they were taller than me. But at the time in, in, in middle school and elementary school, they weren't feeling me. Like I was just this awkward, tall girl in the back of the class in the pictures you know, and I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't see myself reflected in media, in film, in the videos. Like these were, this is what the guys wanted. And I wasn't that. And yes, I probably was way too young to be watching music videos. But when we'd be home um, from school, the box would be on. I don't know if y'all remember the box. The box, um, VH1, uh, these stations would, would play music videos. And that's what I was learning. In the, in the magazines, I wouldn't see myself. You know, I would cut, which is so sad. I used to cut images out of the magazine and pray to God, like, God, help me look like this woman. Help me look like her. This is what, if this is what beauty is, I'm not it. I'm not it. I don't see myself. In 2005, um, I entered high school. Shout out to Largo High School in Upper Marlboro, PG County, Maryland. Um, I went to high school and I had enough. My hair was breaking off. (laughs) Like, it was just not cute. Like, um, there was a period where I went without a perm and like, sometimes, you know, as a black woman, the place between the permed hair and the natural hair would break off because the natural hair would be coming in strong and the permed hair at this point is dead and it's just dying. It's just breaking off. So my mom helped me cut off all my hair in 2005. I just cut it all off. So I started getting braids and that was the first time I actually had like feed in braids in my hair. Um, and it was just interesting. It was liberating. It was shocking of course because at this time I'm 15 and like I'm like oh my god my image right like that even matters at 15 but it was really like dramatic but I just remember feeling so free when I cut it all off so I started getting braids um and my hairdresser at the time started putting protective styles in it so you're talking about the braids and like the um individual braids and things like that and it was a learning process I'm not gonna lie I cut my hair in braids most of the time because I didn't know what to do with it. Like, it was just thick. It had a mind of its own. Like, besides blowing it out, I didn't know what to do with my hair. And it wasn't until 2006, when I was 16, that I actually started, like, playing around with it. And I probably was doing horrible things to my hair. Like, horrible things. Like, the damage was probably really bad. Um, But I was just experimenting because I'm like, okay, I have natural hair. Let me try a blowout, see what happens with this. Let me try, you know, pressing it a little bit. There's also an embarrassing moment that I had in high school when um, I had, it was picture day. And so I played sports. And that's another thing. Having natural hair with sports, um, if you're going to press it every day, it's just too much. It's just too much. So I just had it in braids or twists or two strand twists or whatever was easiest. But I remember for one day there was a picture day and I wanted um, my hair to last. So after a game, when I sweated out my hair, I tried to use a hot comb on my hair. The hot comb was too hot. It burnt off my hair. And the ends of it turned white. Like it was that hot. It was so embarrassing. And and I wore this head <laughs> this headband to school. And of course, one of my um one of my good friends, one of my best friends, Marcus, he was like, uh, what's up with your hair? And I told him that I burnt it off, <laughs> you know, like and nobody could tell, which was great. But for me, I'm just like, you know what, I'm never putting a hot comb to my hair ever again. Like I'm gonna let someone else do it if this ever gets done again. Um, but it was just it was a nightmare. Um, but yeah, I learned how to experiment with different things, you know? I learned to love my thick and dense coils 
Like my hair is like thick, thick. It's not, it wasn't the trendy natural hair, right? Like there's a trendy natural hair where it's like, it's kind of loose and it's curly. And like, yeah, my curls can be defined when I do the work. But like, if I don't do anything to it, it's just going to be matted to my hair, to my scalp. And at the time, in the early 2000s, there was not a movement celebrating like 4C hair or like 4, you know, B or A. Like there was not a movement celebrating us. It was all about the natural hair that was... um that was digestible, if that makes sense. Like the natural hair that's like, okay, yeah, you got natural hair, but it's cute. You know what I mean? Versus like, what's wrong with someone wearing a fro where their curls are not defined? You know, there was no love for that. And so I learned how to be tender and careful with myself. With natural hair, you cannot like, you cannot just do anything. It does take time. It does take work. It does take maintenance. It does take patience. Um, Especially when you can't see that your hair is growing and you want it to grow. And it's like, you know, you know, it's, um, what do you call it? Shrinking, shrinking to your head. Like you just had your hair pressed and it's to your shoulders. And now it's like halfway down your ear because of shrinkage. You know what I mean? It, it requires you to see yourself in every facet and find yourself beautiful and do the work to find yourself beautiful. It wasn't until I went natural that I actually got that opportunity and actually did that work. You know, when I was sitting with myself in the mirror, taking time to actually see myself in the mirror, you know, there are so many things that we we don't do. Like, do we really stare at ourselves in the mirror? If I saw myself walking down the street, would I be able to recognize myself? You know what I mean? Like, can I really see the beauty that is in me? Can I see how I look different today than I did 10 years ago? And maybe not because you see yourself every day, but like, we always look at ourselves in a passing way. I don't think there's anything um, narcissistic with taking selfies with spending time with yourself in the mirror, because honestly, you are a creation. Like God created you and you're a masterpiece. And so what would be wrong with seeing yourself in the mirror and saying, I am beautiful. Like I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? I'm fire. Like what is, what would be wrong with that? You know, if anything, I feel like we're taught that like, oh, don't be vain. Don't be vain. And and it's almost ironic to me because you try so hard not to be vain, to be acceptable to other people, but you don't even love yourself. And I felt like for myself, for so many years, I looked at myself and I hated what I saw for so long that I never took the time to really look at myself and be like, Alicia, you're beautiful. And so this wasn't, this didn't happen until I went to college. Like when you're on your own in college, you don't have no resources. So I went to Baltimore. I went to Towson um, for college and I was away from everybody, everything I knew. I didn't know anything about, you know, local hair shops or like, you know, the local sis who can do hair. Like I didn't make those kind of connections until later. And so I had to figure out how to do my hair. Like, what am I doing with this? You know what I mean? I'm not straightening my hair every day. I'm in college. I can experiment. These people don't know me. So they're not going to necessarily judge me. There are thousands of people here versus like hundreds at my high school. And so I started to experiment with different products and different styles. Um, One of my good friends I used to do my hair for fun and like show me different things I can do. And it really just introduced me to a whole other world of myself, a whole different version of myself. Like I wasn't afraid to try anything. I can do the coils. I can do the two strand twists. I can do the um, defined fro. Like I could do all of that. And it really took, it really took time and patience to learn it. And the first thing would be like, the first thought that would come to my mind would be like, I'm too busy for this. Like, I need to, I need to get a perm. I'm too busy for this. And it's like, no, like you don't, you, you can't be too busy for yourself. You cannot be too busy for yourself. Like don't talk about yourself in such a passive, uh, burdensome way. Like, oh my God, my hair is just, you know, it's just, it's, it's like the automatic go-to. 
my hair is crazy. Don't do nothing. Like we talk down about ourselves or parts of ourselves. Like it's so normalized that we don't even realize we're doing it. Like, no, like, yes, my hair requires more time, but I'm worth that time. Like changing that language takes work. And it wasn't until I got to college that I actually started to do that work and seeing the benefit of doing it. So honestly, during this time, 2008 to like, say 2012, I feel like the natural hair community was starting to like pop up and like explode. Like everybody was going natural. There were tutorials on YouTube and stuff like that. So I could experiment and try different things. People tried products. So I don't have to buy, listen, as a broke college student, trying to get expensive hair products was not easy. Um, And I wanted to make sure that the money that I spent was actually going to benefit me. So seeing people do the tutorials and stuff like that, like that was a godsend because I didn't know what I was doing, right? But eventually I got it down and figured out what my hair liked, what it didn't like, like how to manage it. I'm combing from tip to root. That's something my mom taught me versus just putting a comb in there and like pulling it out. Um, side note, for my wedding, <laughs> there was this lady who did my hair and it was just a mess. It was, it was horrible. Um, it was a horrible experience. She, when she washed my hair, she didn't put anything on it, and she started to just take the comb and put it in the middle of my head and just combing down. So I heard the breakage. I heard hair stretching. And you know when it stretches, it never goes back because it's damaged at that point, right? So, like, it was just it was just a whole – it was just tr- very traumatic. And um, to me, that was, like, rule number one that Black people know. You comb from the tip of your hair to the root, and it is a meditative process, and it is beautiful, and it, and it is art. It is – um, love. It is self-care. It is loving others. Like taking the time to be um, in between somebody's legs, like sitting on the floor while they're on the couch and combing the hair down and like watching TV or talking to each other or sitting and listening to your mom and your aunt gossip or something. Like that is that is a Black experience and that is art and that is culture. And that is something that I feel like we should not miss. Like I recently dyed my hair and my mother helped me wash out the hair dye. And it was just so reminiscent of when I used to have to stand under the sink and um, having to cover my ear. And and I was just brought back to that childhood experience, that, that meditative, that loving experience of someone doing your hair. And what we're taught as kids is that you are worth the time to do your hair, to put it in beads and, and box braids and um, to get it pressed for picture day, right? But we lose that sense of self-care and that self-love as we get older, as we age. We, we're trying to figure out how to cut corners, how to, you know, make things happen. And, insti- and instead of looking at our hair as a burden, we should look at our hair as a gift because it is. It is. There's something magical about black hair, um, as Denise was saying. And as Kim was talking about, like, self-care, we lose that sense of self-care. Like, play is self-care. Rest is self-care. Um, community is self-care, you know? Um, I remember sometimes falling asleep getting my hair done. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like we all have those experiences, but we lose that sense of, I guess, value and worth as we age. Like the society is telling us to be a product, to, to be worth how much we produce. And so I get it. Like some people cut their hair because they just don't want to deal with it. I've done that too. And we'll get into that next, but, um, I really just want to drive home this idea. That my hair has taught me that self-care is not an option. It is necessary. It is a requirement to live, to live a good, healthy life, to be healthy and happy. I am worth the time it takes to get dressed. I am worth the time it takes to bathe myself. I am worth the time it takes to brush my teeth into floss and to use my water pick. I am worth the time it takes to, to make a, a healthy, wholesome meal. This is a privilege. 
it's a privilege and it's something that we don't take advantage of and we look at as a burden. And I really want us to start rethinking, um, rethinking the way that we look at ourselves and look at the way that we require um, things. I was talking to my husband recently and I was talking about how annoying it is to be a human sometimes because you always got to eat and eating is expensive. Um, and so I don't like spending money, right? I don't like spending money, but I really have to change my thought from, oh God, I got to spend money on groceries or, oh God, I got to spend money on gas or whatever. And really look at it as like, no, God has gifted me this money and I'm going to use this money and I'm thankful for this money and I'm going to use this money for something that's going to benefit me and really doing that work um, to get there. So yeah, so I learned how to be tender and careful with myself, how to be kind to myself, right? To work with my hair instead of against it and wishing I had somebody else's hair because that's not going to happen. Like this, these are my genes. That's the DNA that's in my system. This is the hair that I have. So what can I do with the hair that I have? What can I do with the um, resources I have available to myself? You know, um, it's not a burden. It's a privilege. My hair is a privilege. There are people who are trying their hardest, like white people who get perms, right? Or people with straight hair because they want more volume. We naturally have volume. Our hair is like gravity defying for some folk. You know what I'm saying? Because I understand all black hair is not not made the same. But there's something beautiful even in your hair. Like, and you have to find out what that is and celebrate yourself. So soon after that, in my college years, I decided to get locks. And I decided to get locks for a few reasons. Number one, I always wanted them. And I was just too afraid to commit. Like, I was like, I don't know. I like the versatility of my hair. I'm just discovering how to do my hair, how to make it work. If I get locks, then I'm going to hate it. And then I'm going to have to, you know, comb it out or cut it all off and just start all over again. And at some point, I just made the commitment like, okay, let's just try this thing. So I put in braids in my hair. And over the course of like a year and a half to two years, my hair locked. It started locking. Now, if you know anything about locks, you know the stages that your hair goes through. There's like the ugly stage where it's like you can't do anything with it, but it's starting to bud, meaning like it's starting. So when you first get them in, they look fresh. They look nice. After maybe the first three months, it's like, ooh, you know, but you can't really do anything to your hair because like it's budding. It's, it's locking. It's in the process of locking. So for some people who started with coils, they can't wash it. For some people who started with two strand twists, they can't wash it. But I started mine with braids, so I could wash it, but I still couldn't style it how I wanted it to. Then you have a period where your locks kind of shrink. They get shorter. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I had this length. Now this length is gone, but it's actually starting to lock. Then you have the phase in your in your life where it's like, you know, it's kind of long, but it's not long enough to put in a ponytail or like, you know, you might be able to do pigtails, but you can't really do anything with your hair. So now you're like curling it or you're, you know, putting like bantu knots or something in it just because you need to get it out your face, but it's not long enough to put in a ponytail. And so instead of just having it in your face the whole time and being frustrated with it, that's the time that you think about actually cutting it all off. That's the point you think about like giving up, Right. And so I knew for myself that if I wanted to achieve what I wanted to see, I would have to be patient. I would have to be patient. I would have to find beauty in the ugly process, right? And I feel like we can apply that to our lives. Like there are some, like the middle is not fun. Being in the middle is not fun. It's it's almost like that hair, right? Like you're too far away from one thing, um, but you're not close enough to this other thing to like, to be able to go back or to go forward. And so in these, in these middle places, you want to give up. And so that taught me like to cherish the middle places, to find the beauty in the middle places and the hard places. I'm in the middle place right now. Okay. Trying to find somewhere to live, trying to find like, you know, gainful employment, I guess. Like, I don't know. Don't like, <laughs> it's, it's just been really tough, especially like during like this COVID. It's been really frustrating, but I'm showing myself in, you know, using locks as an example again, 
that in the middle, there's still beauty to be found. When my hair was still growing, I was still getting dolled up. I was still going out. I was still wearing cute outfits. I was trying to figure out hairstyles that worked with the length that I had, that wouldn't require a lot of maintenance, that wouldn't put a lot of tension on my scalp as to like, you know, rip it out of my, out of my scalp. Um, but I was determined to still try to find beauty and love myself, even in the ugly parts. So eventually my hair grew. My hair, my locks grew out. I could do anything I wanted to. I was dyeing my hair all the time. I was playing around. Like it taught me play. It taught me to be brave. It taught me to be bold. You know what I mean? It's just hair. Like it's not, it's, it's not that it's just hair because like I talked about before, it's, it's, it's important. It's culture. It's beauty. It's inspiration. But at the same time, if I do something I don't like, it's not a big deal. Like it really just showed me like it's not a big deal. And with that same thought, eventually, I cut off my hair. So we went from permed hair to short natural hair to medium length natural hair to locks, to short locks, to to long locks. And then I got to this point where I felt like people were just complimenting me because of my hair. I felt like, oh my God, I love your locks. And I'm like, thank you. And that's the only compliment I would hear. And so for me, it was just like, okay, like, is that all there is to me? Just my hair? Like, am I beautiful? Like, am I interesting? Um, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I don't think they were saying anything to slight me. You know, I think they're being very genuine and honest. But for myself, I just wanted to prove to myself that I wasn't just beautiful just because I had long locks. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that's, that could sound silly, but that's just honestly how I felt, you know? I mean, I also felt like I needed a change. Like there was just, there was just so much turmoil and stuff going on during that time. I know you've, heard, you've seen that um, phrase where people say, it's a, it's a quote, I forget by who, but it's like maybe Audrey Hepburn. I don't know. Hepburn. Anyway. Um, when a woman cuts her hair, she's about to change her life. And at that point, I really felt like I needed a drastic change. And I feel like a lot of Black women do this, like, I need change. And they just go for the clippers. Like, they just <laughs> they just cut off the hair. Because in those locks, there was so much story. There was so much, like, bondage. There was so much um, trauma that happened when I had locks. And I just wanted a change. So I cut it all off. And I was shocked. I was I was looking in the mirror like, oh my God, what did I do? It's too late. I can't reattach him. It's too late. I can't do this. And I'm sure they could reattach it. But when I cut my hair, it was short, short, like short, short. And um, and I was looking at myself like, oh my God. And I, when I left the shop, which is so silly, I was ducking and dodging um, people as if they knew me, right? They don't know me from Adam. So it's like, you know, I could be anybody, but like I felt exposed. And I really felt like when I cut my hair, that really exposed a part of me. It's like, well, now, okay, Alicia, you were talking about, you know, your hair being, you know, the only reason why people find you beautiful. It's like, okay, well now you ain't got no hair. (laughs) So do you find you beautiful? I really felt exposed. And, you know, at first I was shocked. Um, At the time, my husband was my boyfriend and I was like, oh my God, I think I'm ugly. I think I made a mistake. (laughs) I think I did too much. And actually I started to see the beauty in me. I would still get dolled up. I would still put on makeup. I would get dressed up and we would go out and I would feel beautiful. I would feel amazing. I would feel free. Like it was just, and I didn't have to do anything. Like the time was cut from it, um, from from the hair prep and all this other stuff. No bobby pins, no headaches from putting the bobby pins in and making the hair too tight. No having to retwist my hair. None of that. It was just get up, put a little moisturizer on it and go. But what I also learned is that I was doing too much. So when I had short hair, my skin actually started breaking out. And I couldn't figure out why, because like I wasn't doing anything different than I did when I had locks, but I was, right? I was so used to putting so much product on my hair and on my locks 
that I didn't know how not to do too much with my hair, with my short hair. And so that speaks to me because, you know, sometimes I feel like we do too much. We do too much and we overwater things. We drown them, right? With plants, some plants, you can't, like I have an orchid here. It requires one um, ice cube a week, right? And so y'all pray for this orchid. Her name's Orpa. Um, she's struggling. I just want her to live. <laughs> but you're only supposed to put one ice cube in there a week. If I were to pour, keep pouring water in it every day, it would die because I'm doing too much, right? Having short hair taught me that sometimes you don't need to do a whole lot. Sometimes less is more. And so what was happening was I was putting all this product in my hair. It was running down to my face and in my pores and I was breaking out. And it was so frustrating. It was so annoying because I was just like, here I am with the short hair, less things to do. And I'm still doing, I still had the same mindset of upkeeping so much stuff, of making so many things work. I'm, you know, product junkie all day. Like, but I have no hair. Like, what do I need that for? Right. Um, so it was really unlearning things and was teaching me to unlearn the habits that I was doing just because and really just learning how to do things that fit right now. So maybe you're in a point like, where nothing's really happening. And maybe you don't need anything to happen right now. Maybe you don't need to overload yourself. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't need to overwater yourself, overwater some certain relationships, overwater certain goals and stuff like that. Maybe you just need to rest. Maybe you just need to chill out. Stop spending so much money. Stop spending so much time trying to make yourself into a person that you're not. Or stop trying to give yourself what you needed before that's not working right now. You know? And that's what that short hair taught me. Um, After that, I grew my hair some more. Um experimented with color. I cut it off again. And here we are today, <laughs> you know, um, with locks again, with locks again. Um, this process actually came because I had short hair and, you know, it was fun. It was fun for a little bit, but I honestly just got tired of like doing the hair, like the actual doing. And locks just fit me. They just fit the, st- the, the time of life I'm in right now. It's low maintenance, um, but it is maintenance. You should know. Um, when I have to retwist it, when I have to color it, when I have to, you know, uh, put it up in a style or something, but I'm relearning that whole process again, like the in-between stage. I'm in the in-between stage right now. And so the in-between stage is not fun. It's not what's usually like pinned on Pinterest boards or shared in like lot communities and stuff like that. But I'm learning to see the beautiful in my hair now. So yeah, um, with again with my short hair to go back I was free I felt so much more free I had more, much more time I was so de- I learned how to be so detached from my hair that at this point what whatever I do with my hair I don't care anymore like it's just hair I can just cut it off and start all over again like lord willing if he keeps letting my hair grow like that's it it really removed this need it helped me unlearn this thing I learned at 7 right watching the video vixens and I need to look like this I need to you know look like this to be appreciated to be valued to be beautiful and it helped me to see myself in every area of my life as beautiful, even the hard parts. You know what I mean? Um, so to this day, to be honest, I'm still fighting and unlearning oppressive beliefs. You know, like, as I mentioned before, that belief that I got from watching those music videos, like I'm still unlearning that or this belief that, you know, my hair is too coarse or my hair is a burden you know, or I am a burden, right? Because that reflects on me. How not to be a burden to other people. When I go to the shop, I don't want to hear, you know, the hair shop, I don't want to hear my hairstylist talk about how how thick my hair is as it's as it's a burden. Like, no, sis, this is your art form or bro, whoever is doing the hair. Like, no, this is your art. This is how you do hair. You know what I mean? It takes work. And if you 
an artist, a hairdresser, because I think hairdressers are artists. If you as a hairdresser or an artist are starting to look at hair as a burden, then maybe you should reconsider your your career. Because hair is not a burden. You're not there to fix, using air quotes, fix people's hair. You're there to work with it and to bring out its natural beauty. There was the last time I cut off my hair, I had to do it because somebody put heat damage on my hair. I went to a shop. I'm not going to say what shop it was. Um, but I, I, and I, I've been with my hair long enough to know what's going to work, what's not going to work. They washed my hair. They deep conditioned it. Great. They told me, yeah, we can press your hair. And my hair was blue at the time. We can press your hair and make it, you know, straight, um, because my anniversary was coming up and I wanted to try it. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So they're, yeah, we're not going to give you any, um, heat damage and all this other stuff. They were bragging on themselves. I'm like, okay, girl, sounds good. Like, and she was a black woman. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, please. Like, I would hope that you wouldn't damage my hair with heat. However... They put the oil in my hair and I told her, I said, I'm going to need more than oil. Like I'm talking like just oil on my hair. And I was like, I'm going to need more than oil for my hair. No, no, you're fine. I know what we're doing. And I should have spoken up for myself, right? But I didn't. And that's a lesson right there. I know what's going to work for me. I know it's not. And so I was taking her word because I was too afraid to seem combative or like a burden. (laughs) You know, it all goes back to feeling like a burden, right? And so I'm like, but this is not going to work. And so they were blowing out my hair with this brush and this, and this, um, we call it hair dryer and smoke started coming from my hair. And instantly I knew this is not a good look. This is not good. This is not good. So this guy was taking a brush to my hair and straightening my hair with the hair dryer. And I'm like, smoke is just coming out. And I'm just like, okay, my hair is done. Like it's, it's curtains. It's over. I'm going to have to cut my hair after this. I just knew it in that moment because why is my hair smoking? So then after that, right, they didn't, she put more oil on my hair and then put, um, a hot, you know, hot comb and all this other stuff in my hair to like, you know, get the edges and stuff like that and to style it. Sure enough, when it was time to wash my hair, it would not go back. It would not shrink. There were some parts in my hair that were straight and like I was looking up all these, it was just dead. There were dead ends. There were dead parts. And so I was looking up all these videos on how to like fix it and how to make it work. And nothing, it just, it just seemed, it just seemed like too much work to keep up a dead thing. And so that speaks because far too often we keep hold of dead things. Like why are we, we're, we want to retain so much length, but our hair is not healthy, you know? And so I really, I text my husband. I was like, should I just cut my hair? And he was like, just cut it. And so I'm just like, okay. So I cut off my hair and I started all over again. That was the last time I cut my hair because of heat damage. And I really think that we should consider the things in our lives, whether they're alive or whether they're dead. Are they bringing us, you know, joy? Are they bringing us enjoyment? Are they just like burdens? Are they just heavy? Is it just, you know, we're trying to keep up appearances? Is it just what we're used to? Um, Is it just that we're afraid to lose the progress that we made when I was afraid to cut my hair is because like, well, dang, girl, like I spent like two years trying to grow this hair and you just ruined it, you know, by blow drying it to death. And I really had to get over this want of having like retained length and really be like, it's okay. I'm just going to cut it and start all over. Like if I can grow it now, I can grow it later. And sure enough, my hair is still growing. I'm in some locks right now, but still, I think we should really consider the things in our lives that are dead. Things that we're just like pouring into that just deplete us, that don't bring, bring any return, that don't, um, even if it's joy, right? That don't bring anything but, um, headache and sorrow and heaviness. Like, what is dead in your life that needs to be cut off? I really want you to think about that. So we still have a long way to go. As I mentioned, um, 
the natural hair community, it's just, it's beautiful to see. I just wish I had it when I was younger to be able to see people like me and be like, okay, cool. Like her hair is good. Good. And also not just the natural hair that had like the edges laid down that had like, you know, that nice, like sheen and like that curl pattern that's really popular because, you know, curly girls versus like, you know, coils, like it's, it's very different. And so I saw a lot of curly girls, but not like people like me. I just want, if I had that when I was younger to see like, yeah, my hair is like matted right now, but it's still beautiful. Like I'm gonna pick it out with this fro real quick, you know, in the back. Cause I lay down on it, but it's still okay. If I had that when I was growing up, that would have been so helpful to me because I was looking down on myself so bad because I didn't look like these girls in these videos. And I'm so glad that things are changing now that, and I can still take part in that joy, right? In the celebration, even as a 30 year old woman, seeing myself and being like, you know what? I'm beautiful like me and that's okay. And it's not easy and it's challenging. And sometimes I don't feel pretty and sometimes I do feel ugly. Sometimes I do feel like a burden. Sometimes I do feel like my hair is annoying me. It's not doing what I want it to do. Like it's frustrating, right? Because you want a product to work and these products are like 15 bucks a pop. But at the same time, I feel like we all need to go on our own separate journeys of self-love, of self-care. You are worthy of self-care. You are worthy of discovering yourself. This hair journey that I mentioned from the last time I cut my hair, um, that was what, 28 years? 28 years. Like 28 years to journey and being patient with myself and accepting myself in every single form or learning how to accept myself in every single form. You know, that was 28 years of me learning how to do my hair. You're not going to get it overnight. I'm still not getting it like as I want to, right? But I'm getting there. I'm doing the work to get there. And I really just want you to see yourself as a masterpiece, as a gift, to see yourself as worthy of someone who's worth doing the work. So I hope this episode makes sense. I hope it was helpful. Let me know if, what you think. Um, send me a message on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Alicia Renice, A-L-E-C-I-A-R-E-N-E-C-E. And my name on there is Alicia Renice, the artist. Send me a DM. Let me know if this episode was helpful, if it was encouraging, inspiring. Tell me your hair story and hopefully I can read it on the next episode. But I hope, again that you take what I said. I hope that you can apply it to yourself. I hope that it was freeing. I hope that you resonate with this. I hope that like, you're like, okay, good. Like I'm not alone. Like this is something I'm learning. Um, and I hope that you see yourself as a gift and not a burden. Um, so until next episode, you guys be well, stay encouraged, look yourself in the mirror, actually study yourself, actually, you know, take a picture of yourself, take some selfies, like see yourself at different angles See the beauty that you are, you know, don't just like go through life passively without ever acknowledging who you are, ever celebrating who you are, you know, and, sh- and share that same love with other people too. And once you get there, help other people get there, right? Or as you're getting there, you don't have to wait till you're a finished work to get people there. So thank you so much for your time. I will talk to you guys later. Bye.